You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Acts chapter 13, don't get antsy on time. I planned for this service today to be lengthy as we needed to hear from our young people. We need to hear some great singing, but we're going to hear from the Lord for just a few moments. So listen carefully today. Because we're going to be in Acts chapter 13, and this is the title of my message, Testimonies of Grace. Testimonies of Grace. Now, you listen carefully this morning. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 1, now there were in the church that was at Antioch. Remember, God has now shifted the focus from Jerusalem to Antioch. And he's going to just point out that in this church, there were some people there that were prophets and teachers. These prophets were not just foretellers of the future. A prophet in the Bible was not just somebody who foretold the future. A prophet in the Bible is not a foreteller. Sometimes it entails that. But they're forth tellers. Thus saith the Lord. They speak the word of God. And these were prophets and teachers. And uh, the Bible says who they were. Barnabas, Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, I want you to see these five names. When we read the Bible, sometimes we just look at these lists of names, and we read over them, and we forget that every name is a person. And I'm glad today that we have a God who likes to write names in his book, (laughs) because he wrote my name in his book. How many of you got your name written in his book in glory? Amen? God always records names, because to God... You're not just a number. You might be a number to the government. You're a taxpayer to the government. You're a, you're a constituent to a politician. You're a consumer to the market. But you are a name to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, last Sunday we saw that God glorifies himself through his church. God gets glory through the church. Unless we forget, the church is people. And God records these names in his book for a specific reason, because in every name, there is a testimony of grace that brings glory to God. In this room today, there are testimonies of grace that bring glory to God. Sometimes we can feel lost in a church, especially of a church of, of this size. Maybe you just feel like you, you're just one of many. Well, let me tell you, you're one of one with God. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every thought of your heart. And every person is important. Every person sitting in this room today is important to God. Now, some of these names we're going to look at very quickly. We've got to kind of piece them together. And I want you to listen carefully as we follow through this message today. Because God put these names in this book for a reason. First of all, I want to call your name, your attention to the first name on the list, Barnabas. Now, who is Barnabas? Well, Barnabas was not his given name. His given name was Joseph. We first met Barnabas back in Acts chapter uh, 2 and Acts chapter 3 when there were great troubles going on in the church. And uh, the church was expanding and growing at record numbers. And a man by the name of Joseph, a Levite, who was very well-to-do. He was a wealthy man, but he saw in the church great need. Now, listen very carefully, and this is what I want you to get from Barnabas' life. Barnabas is a testimony of the sweetness of Jesus. Everybody say sweetness with me today. Sweetness of Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus is the sweetest name you know? Barnabas is a testimony to the sweetness of Jesus Christ. 
Why? Well, let's find out a few things about this well-to-do Levite named Joseph. The Bible said of him that he was a good man. He went about doing good. He was a man of kindness. He was a man who sold all of his property. He brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. And uh, he did that to further the work of Christ. He was a giving man, a compassionate man, a surrendered man. He was a man, if you'll recall, that came to the side of Saul when, after Saul was saved. And he stood with Saul and introduced him to the apostles when they feared that Saul was a spy. That Saul was going to do havoc in the church. And Barnabas stood with him and vouched for him and extended the right hand of fellowship and brought Saul into the fellowship of believers. He was a man who the church nicknamed Barnabas, old Barney. His name, Barnabas, it means the son of encouragement, the son of consolation, the son of exhortation. He was a man who was always coming alongside of other people, building them up in their most holy faith, giving comfort and encouragement and power to them. He was a man that the church said of Joseph, there's a Barnabas, a man who is a, an encourager. He reminds us of Jesus. And then we, the Bible tells us about a man by the name of Simeon that was called Niger. Now, the nat, Latin name that they gave to him, Niger, simply just says that he was black. This was a man who was a black man. And this is something that has been speculated on by many commentators, but I believe it's worth a little second look into this speculation today and worth considering. All of us ought to consider why does God just name this man Simeon and his name is Niger and he follows Barnabas in the list but precedes a guy named Lucius from Cyrene. It could be that this was Simon of Cyrene. The black man that Jesus was next to when he fell on the Rio de la Rosa And they compelled this man to carry the cross of Christ. Now, it's much more than just speculation. Mark, in his gospel, Mark chapter 15 and verse 21, mentions that Simon of Cyrene had two sons, Alexander and Rufus. They were well known in the church at the time of Mark writing his gospel. In fact, Paul mentions Simon of Cyrene's son Rufus in Romans chapter 16 and verse number 13 when he says of this Rufus that he was chosen in the Lord. That he was one of the choice servants of Christ, this Rufus. And he said, and by the way, not only Rufus chosen in the Lord, but he said, and his mother and my mother as well. Paul said, the mother of Rufus was like a mother to me. She was a mother in the faith to me. She was a mother who cared for me. And I believe that Paul mentions Rufus's mom as being one of his many mothers in the Lord. But I believe it was perhaps because Paul stayed at this Simon's house in Antioch. And he knew Rufus. And Simon's wife, who was a mother to him, took care of Paul, working with him and doing his laundry, cooking meals for him. And if that is so, and there is good reason that it could be that this is the Simon of Cyrene, then this is a man who speaks to us about the sufferings of Christ. He was a man who was on the road when Jesus walked by, having been beaten and battered and bruised and broken, and Jesus so 
uh, so suffering from his, his execution, he stumbles and falls. And the Roman soldiers compel this one Simon to pick up that cross and to follow Christ. And he sees the man of sorrows. He sees a broken Jesus and their eyes meet and something about that Jesus. But Simon gives his heart to the crucified one. Simon becomes a man who can really say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Simon. Then the Bible tells us of another testimony of grace, a man by the name of Lucius of Cyrene. <laughs> and he reminds me, if Barnabas is the sweetness of Christ and Simon is the suffering of Christ, well, Lucius reminds me of the sovereignty of Christ. You say, how so? Well, he's next to Simon in the list. And uh, presumably from, that Simon is from Cyrene as well. And it could have been that this Simon who met Christ came back home at some point to Cyrene and met an old friend named Lucius and shared the gospel of Christ with him. I met a man who died for the sins of the whole world. And Lucius came to know Christ. I do know this, that I believe this is the Lucius that Paul mentions later again in Romans chapter 16 and verse 21. Paul mentions this Lucius as his kinsman. Maybe it was Paul who led him to Christ. I don't really know who led Lucius to Christ, but I will tell you this. His name is a testimony of the sovereignty of God. Because one way or the other... Lucius, whether it was through Simon of Cyrene who brought the gospel to him, or a kinsman and his family named Saul of Tarsus who brought the gospel of him, somehow Simon Niger and Saul of Tarsus and Lucius of Cyrene all ended up serving God together in Antioch. And can I tell you, that just tells me that there is a God in heaven who chooses out his people, brings them together, and puts them in the work that he has for them to do. And just like Jesus on his way said, I must needs go through through Samaria, I have a divine appointment with a woman there who needs to be saved. Somewhere along the way, the gospel came to Lucius, and a man from Cyrene finds himself as a leader and elder in the church at Antioch. Isn't that a wonderful thing? You know, sometimes we think that we all were smart enough to make our decisions to get to this point right now. And you, you weren't smart enough. You weren't wise enough. It was the sovereignty of God that brought us together like this. God's sovereignty put us together to serve in this church in Fort Collins, just like God did in the church at Antioch. And here is a man who reminds us that he was saved by grace from a different place, maybe from a man from a different race, but the sovereignty of God put them all together in that church in one body. He speaks of the sovereignty of God. Let me say next is Manian. I like this guy, Manian. I like him a lot. He said, what's significant about Manian? What is his testimony of grace? Well, the Bible says, and then there was Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Uh, this is a guy, Manian, who was a foster brother to Herod. Uh, now, this is the Herod who is the son of Herod the Great. This is Herod uh, Antipas. This is the Herod, if you'll remember, who cut John the Baptist's head off. This is the Herod who stole his brother's wife, Herodias, and was living in open adultery and fornication with her. This was a filthy, vile man. This was the Herod that mocked Jesus to his face. Manian was his foster brother. 
Well, what does he speak to us about? He speaks to us about the salvation that there is in Jesus Christ. That in a home, going to school as a boyhood friend and brother of Herod, going to the same schools, playing the same games, running in the same circles, under the same influences, and here is Herod, who turns out to be a blasphemer. <laughs> he turns out to be a blasphemer. Manian finds Jesus, or Jesus finds him and turns out to be a believer. And here's Manan in the church. He's a minister while his brother is a murderer. You know, but by the grace of God, I'm looking at people in this room. If the gospel had not come to you and you had not been saved, where would you be today? Where would you be today? Had the gospel not come to Manan, would he have served in Herod's court? Would he have been part of those salacious things that Herod was doing? Would he have himself been guilty of murder? What kind of a man? What kind of power would he have been wielded in the kingdom? What kind of, what kind of prosperity and power would he have? But listen, Manan came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And where do you find him? You don't find him on a throne. You find him serving in Antioch, working for Christ. Man, I'm so thankful that the gospel came to our family. I'm so thankful today that the gospel found my dad in his lost state as an old drunk in Montana, and the gospel came. And here today, I'm standing here as a born-again believer preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ because somewhere the saving grace of Jesus Christ impacted our family. Some of us forget, we forget where we would be had we never known Jesus. Somebody brought the gospel to you. Somebody brought the gospel to you. I wonder if Manan ever gave the gospel to Herod. I'm sure he did. And Herod, the great rejecter, the great murderer, he ran to the arms of Herodias while Manan ran to the arms of Jesus. Manan found his life in the Lord. Herod lost his life in lust. What a difference salvation makes. This is a testimony of grace, and let me close with this one. And then Saul. <laughs> it's just all we hear. That's all the Bible says. And there wasn't a guy in the church, Saul. Just Saul? I mean, that's it. Just Saul? I mean, what a, what a man. What a gifted man he was. I mean, this is a man who had great intellect. This is a man who had great energy. This was a man who was a teacher, a preacher, an apostle, an evangelist, a pastor. He had the giftings without repentance. I mean, this was a man who had the ability to write and to speak and to preach. I mean, we can, uh, only eternity will tell us how many hundreds of thousands, yea, millions of people have come to Christ through the ministry of Saul. Saul. And Saul. A man who had roots in Judaism. He was Jewish. He had roots in Rome. He had roots in the Greeks. He had roots in the three main cultures of the world. God used him around and everywhere as a man surrendered fully to the cause of Christ. What does he tell us about Jesus? Just Saul. Just Saul. Just Saul. What does he tell us about Jesus? He tells us about the servant. Jesus. I mean, there could have been pages of biography written about Saul, and God just says, Saul, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, 
and took upon himself the form of a servant. And Jesus humbled himself. A man who laid aside the splendors and riches of glory and became poor. A man who left the throne of heaven to take a manger of hay. A man who left the golden streets to walk on dusty roads. A man who left the choruses of angelic creatures singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, to a man walking to the jeers of ungodly, filthy mouths singing, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. A man of no reputation, just the humble servant who came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. No wonder Paul began nearly every letter he wrote, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a servant. When you look at Paul, you don't see Paul ringing his own accolades. You see Paul just the servant, serving Jesus. You know, those leaders that were in that church were all testimonies of grace. You know what you see in every one of them? You see Jesus, the sweetness of Christ. You see the sacrificial giving of Christ. You see see the suffering of Christ. You see the sovereignty of Christ. You see the salvation that's in Christ. And you see the servants of Christ. Every one of these men were used of God. Now, some of these things we cannot say dogmatically. Well, that was Simon of Cyrene. But I can tell you three things about every one of these men that the Bible calls out clearly. Number one, they were spiritual men. The Bible says in verse number two, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. Now, those men were spiritual men. They ministered to the Lord. They didn't serve the, they weren't just working for the church. They weren't working for a paycheck. They were serving the Lord. They were men who were giving their lives to the service of the Lord. It's interesting that that word ministry there is the same word for the Old Testament priesthood. And they had taken literally this call to be priests in the work of God. They knew what Peter was mentioning in 1 Peter 2, 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. A royal priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. They were men that were spiritually minded men. Number two, they were sincere men. They fasted. They fasted. The Bible teaches that fasting is going without legitimate things in order to pursue eternal things. It's going without food or going without sleep or going without, without in a marriage relationship, without the sexual pleasures of marriage. And the Bible mentions several different things. Even the day of, of the Sabbath could be a fasting of going without all the pleasures of life. Legitimate things that we can have that are not sinful to have, but to lay them aside to pursue things eternal. And these men had given up things legitimate so they could, they could go after eternal things. These were sincere men. They wanted to know that their steps were being ordered by the Lord. And I want to say lastly that these three men were not only spiritual men and sincere men, but they were surrendered men. When God said, hey, take Barnabas and Saul, the first and the last man on your list, take them and send them away, it was like cutting an arm off of this church. Can you imagine if Saul was a member of this church and God said, send him away? They were willing to seek, they were willing to know, and they were willing to do the Spirit's bidding. Every one of these men could truly say, where he leads me, I will follow. Walking 
willingly to the great unknown to take the gospel to regions beyond. (laughs) This was a church that was filled with testimonies of grace. Do you know what Front Range Baptist Church is today? It's a church filled with testimonies of grace. We heard testimonies today, but you know you've got your testimony. And the Bible says we're to be living that out as spiritual people, as surrendered people, as, as sincere laborers for Christ, using our lives as a witness for Christ. One of the young people said it, uh, that is Christ seen in you? Do others look at us and see Christ in us? I want people to drive by this church and to walk in the doors of this church and come into Front Range Baptist Church and to say, that's a church where Jesus is preeminent. That Jesus is in every member the sweetness of Christ, the salvation of Christ, (laughs) the sovereignty of Christ. He is Lord there. He's in charge there. That's a church like the church at Antioch. Testimonies of grace. I want you just to think in your own life. Just say your name. Just say your name under your breath. I, Dean Miller, say your name. am a testimony of grace. Let others see Christ in me. Father, I pray today that you'll speak to every heart and that, Lord, by by this church and the people who make this church up, that, God, you would receive glory unto yourself through the people who you have saved. Lord, what an amazing testimony these men were for the cause of Christ. And through them, multitudes of people came to know you. And yet today... Their names are still being preached as witnesses and testimonies of the grace of God. Our heads about our eyes are closed for just a moment. Who's here this morning would say, Pastor Miller, something in the service today, God spoke to my heart. I do not have that testimony of salvation. I don't have a no-so salvation. God dealt with my heart today. Would you slip your hand way up high? I don't have a no-so salvation. I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die, but I want to know. Would you slip your hand way up high? Let me pray with you today. How many of us would say, Pastor Miller, God has given me a testimony. I have a testimony of God's grace in my own life. And I desire to bring God glory through that testimony. I want God to be glorified through my life. I want God to use me in the church and God to use me outside the church and God to use me everywhere to be a testimony of his grace. Would you slip your hand way up high and say, that's me. That's me today. (laughs) That's a wonderful thing. What a joy it is to know that God can use his people. We're going to stand quietly to our feet. I'm going to ask the piano to begin to play. If If you're able to stand, would you stand with me this morning? Lord, I pray for those that may not know Christ as Savior today that they would respond by faith by receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you're a sinner, and Jesus came in the world to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to die for sinners. He died for you. He was buried and rose again from the dead, and the Bible teaches very clearly, very clearly, that only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ Do we find forgiveness of sins and eternal life? It's not through the church. It's not through good deeds. It's not through being baptized. It's not through turning over a new leaf. It's not through making commitments. It is through coming to Jesus Christ alone by faith and receiving Him as Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, right there where you stand today, you can say to Him, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I believe you died for me, and I'm coming to you the best way I know how by faith receiving you as my Lord and Savior. 
Forgive me, Jesus. Save me. Believer of God has spoken to your heart about your testimony of grace. If there was a list of people in this church that God was to write down, what would that list say about you and about how you represent Christ? May God use you today. Father, I thank you for speaking to my heart today through these testimonies. I thank you for the precious word of God that, Lord, you have included in your word names of people that were saved by your grace, that were transformed and made into vessels of honor for the cause of Christ. Lord, I pray that in this church we would have a name of those who've been born again and are declaring through their life and with their lips the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for speaking to my heart. May you use today to be an encouragement to this church family as we go forward in the days ahead that you would use our young people, use them in mighty ways. Lord, when you separate them and send them away, may they go willingly, surrendered, and do the work that you've called them to. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.